BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Between the shadows of reality and the fringe of our own fears lurks a world of monsters. Strange creatures and frightening phantoms who test the very boundaries of our science and superstition. It's a realm of mystery and legend, a place of fact and fear. This is Monstro Bizarro. In 1957, a group of hunters ventured into the Big Cypress Swamp Preserve in southern Florida. It was a rugged and remote place, but one that promised excellent game for anyone brave enough to endure its challenge. After the day's hunt, the men set up camp and built a fire. Later, they suspended hammocks between the cypress trees and set in for a night of well-earned rest. Sometime after midnight, the men were awakened by heavy footfalls, splashing and breaking branches. As the footsteps approached, the hunters could see a dark silhouette in the shape of a large man between the trees about 30 feet away. Their first thought was that it was a Seminole Indian, but upon studying it, they felt it was too big to be a human. It was manlike, yet bulkier and apish. They slid out of their hammocks, grabbed their guns, and crouched nervously with their backs to the fire. The thing lingered among the cypress trees, looking in the direction of the hunters for about two minutes before it finally turned and walked away. As it did, they could see its head had a different shape, sort of a slump with what also seemed like a heavy chin. They weren't sure what it was, but they were sure it was something very unusual. Unbeknownst to the hunters at the time, 
tales of an ape-like creature said to inhabit the forests and swamplands of Florida had been circulating around the state. Generally described as being large, covered in hair, and looking like a cross between a human and an ape, the creature was said to have a foul odor and a reclusive nature. Something that seemed to exist in the deepest shadows of the marshes, somewhere between legend and reality. This was one of the earliest whispers of a creature that would become known as the Skunk Ape. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Blackburn, and on this intrepid episode, we'll be braving the swampy wilds of the American Southeast to examine the legend and reality of the creature known as the Skunk Ape. It's essentially the Bigfoot of Florida, though often described as being more wild, hairy, and ape-like than its traditional counterpart. And just like Bigfoot, it leaves behind very little trace. Only the occasional footprint, and on rare occasions, perhaps an alleged photo or video. So grab your cameras and put on your snake boots, because it's about to get swampy and perhaps a bit smelly. Stories of ape-like creatures lurking in the wilds of Florida can be traced back to the original native inhabitants. Florida tribes told settlers of a strange man-like creature that roamed the swamps and woods. Covered with hair and taller and larger than humans, this monster was considered dangerous and most who encountered it dared not approach. As the European settlers became more established, their newspapers began to document accounts of strange ape-like creatures. In 1818, a, quote, unknown animal was supposedly discovered around Apalachicola, Florida. The animal managed to escape, but those who saw it said it resembled a baboon. In September of 1900, the Davenport Daily Leader announced that Kissimmee, Florida, was being terrorized by a, quote, shaggy creature. According to the article, a Miss Arthur Shiver, who lived a mile from town, saw a strange creature near her home. She described it as being about four feet in height, with the figure of a man yet covered in short, shaggy black hair. Vague reports continued for half a century until they entered the modern era. One of the first being the report from 1957, which I highlighted at the beginning of the podcast. In the 1960s, an ape-like creature was reported in the vicinity of Holopal, southeast of Orlando. According to paranormal investigator and author John Keel, it was first observed by several people as it ran across an open field. The group, which included a local cattle rancher and citrus farmer, says they got within a few feet of the animal, and it was definitely some kind of ape-like thing. The Hollow Paul Gorilla, as it came to be known, was also reported in 1966 and 1967. Witnesses described it as being five feet tall, broad shoulders, covered in hair, and definitely bipedal when it walked. 
In one incident, the creature allegedly attacked two hunters at a place called Desert Ranch. They claimed to have shot the creature, but it escaped into the darkness, screaming as it ran. An unoccupied house on the ranch was later ransacked by what appeared to be a bleeding animal. The culprit, however, was never caught. In the same time frame, we have what appears to be one of the first documented sources describing the famous rancid odor of Florida's mystery ape. In 1966, a man named Ralph Bud Chambers claimed he was walking in the woods along the Ancloat River north of Tampa when he saw, quote, a giant hairy thing standing in the trees. He stated that the thing had a rancid, putrid odor like stale urine. Alarmed but curious, Chambers quickly retrieved a friend and his dog. They were able to track the creature into a swamp, but at some point the dog just refused to go any further. Chambers said he saw the creature again the following year when it came into his backyard. His dog dutifully attacked, but the creature simply walked off in the direction of the swamp and was never seen again. In January of 1967, four teenagers were confronted with a repugnant smell near the town of Elfers, just west of the Anclote River. They were parked at a local Lover's Lane hangout when one of them noticed a foul stench wafting through the night air. Suddenly, an animal about the size of a large chimpanzee leaped onto the car hood. The group panicked as the driver quickly turned the key and started the car. When she did, the animal jumped to the ground and bolted into the woods on two legs. Several other encounters in the 1960s occurred near Brooksville, a mere 20 miles north of the Anclote River. These elusive creatures would eventually become known as skunk apes. The precise origin of the term skunk ape has been debated among paranormal scholars but it's certain the name dates back to at least 1971 when the newspapers began using it to describe a presumed population of these animals being reported more and more frequently in the Sunshine State and in the surrounding states such as Georgia. Some of the early sightings on record were reported in the Everglades region of Florida. The Everglades and its associated habitats make up one of the largest wetland ecosystems in the country. This massive freshwater system, called the River of Grass, is essentially a very shallow, slow-moving river approximately 60 miles wide and 100 miles long. It originates at Lake Okeechobee in central Florida and stretches all the way to the state's southern coast. Marsh prairies, cypress swamps, and mangroves can all be found within this amazing subtropical terrain. The Big Cypress Preserve, where the hunters observed the ape-like creature in 1957, is located on the western side of the Everglades. In February of 1971, five members of the Peninsular Archaeological Society were camping here when they, too, saw something strange. They'd spent the day searching for Native American relics and were sleeping in tents. At around 2.30 a.m., one of the men was awakened by movement outside. According to the group's president, H.C. Buzz Osborne, 
He looked out the tent flap and saw what appeared to be a big man standing about eight feet away in the moonlight. It struck him as odd, both the appearance of the man and the fact that he was walking around outside so late. Assuming it had to be one of the men from the other tent, the archaeologist got back into his sleeping bag and closed his eyes. The next morning, the men found a strange set of tracks where the figure had been lurking. They were, quote, manlike, but also very huge, measuring a whopping 17 and a half inches long and 11 inches wide. The men retrieved some plaster and made casts of the impressions. Osborne said he and his associates had, quote, heard rumors about some kind of ape man running loose in the swamp for years, but he had never paid much attention to the rumors until the incident that night. He was convinced they had an encounter with one of these legendary beasts. Not long after Osborne's group reported the incidents, authorities responded to a call from residents living 16 miles west of Fort Lauderdale on the eastern border of the Everglades. According to news reports, a boy and a girl allegedly spotted two ape-like creatures near their home along North New River Canal. The animals were described as having monkey faces, long arms, small eyes, gray splotches all over, and being more than six feet tall. Local residents quickly formed a posse to track the creatures down, but had no luck. In response to the hubbub, the Florida Highway Patrol asked Henry Ring, a county animal control officer, to conduct a search for the animals. During his investigation, Ring reportedly found, quote, a bunch of strange tracks like someone was walking around on his knuckles. Later, in August of 1971, while driving 10 miles west of Fort Lauderdale, Ring apparently had a first-hand sighting himself. I saw this thing around midnight. It walked like an ape with long arms dangling nearly to the ground, but somehow it stood straighter than an ape. A year earlier, in 1970, a security guard working at an orange grove on the east side of the Everglades in Miami-Dade County said he saw a large gorilla-type creature pulling a dead cow into a ditch at night while he was on patrol. This was rather bizarre, but the incidents would only get stranger. At 3.30 a.m. on January 9, 1974, the Florida Highway Patrol received a call from a motorist who said he saw a tall, hairy creature limping along U.S. Route 27 near the Dade-Broward County border in the eastern portion of the Everglades. The call came from a truck stop where troopers and sheriff's deputies converged a short time later. As the authorities were checking out the first claim, a second call came in from a man named Richard Smith who claimed he had struck a two-legged creature with his car as it ran across the very same road. Troopers were skeptical of Smith's claims since his car only had a brush mark on one fender, but the calls were enough to warrant a search using personnel on the ground and two helicopters with powerful searchlights. During the search, Hialeah Gardens patrolman Robert Holmeyer said he had personally arrived at the scene while it was still dark 
and saw a, quote, shadowy, dark, eight-foot-tall creature thrashing off into the underbrush. Holmeyer said he wasn't sure what it was, but it made a lot of noise thrashing about, and he didn't feel he should go in after it in the dark. Early Bigfoot researcher Robert Morgan also participated in the search. Both Morgan and the police officers agreed there was a serious mystery going on. Another collision with a mystery ape comes from the extensive files of Ramona Clark Hibner, whose early research into the skunk ape phenomenon has become a crucial part of its history. Clark reported that on March 6, 1975, a Miss Humphrey was driving near a lake in Martin County when she collided with an eight-foot-tall ape-like thing that was running across the road. The car was damaged, but the creature managed to escape. A few months later, on March 24, 1975, Ronald Bennett and his son Michael and their friend Lawrence Groom were driving down a dirt road in Miami-Dade County around midnight when they observed what appeared to be a giant ape-like man, approximately eight to nine feet tall and very heavy set, black in colors with no clothes, standing next to a blue Chevy. It was rocking the car back and forth with a great force. As they approached, a man got out of the Chevy and started yelling hysterically for help. Seconds later, the ape-like thing turned and ran into the mangrove trees. The witnesses continued down the road and eventually turned around. When they passed the Chevy again, they could hear movement in the mangroves, but could no longer see the owner of the Chevy. Ronald Bennett eventually called police at 2.26 a.m., at which time a patrol officer was dispatched to the location. He searched the area, but found no trace of the Chevy or the ape man. This was an actual report, and it is still on file with the Dade County Public Safety Department. The year 1976 registered another windfall of sightings. According to the files of Ramona Clark Hibner, she interviewed Lee County, Florida Deputy Sheriff Tom Williams, who said he spotlighted a strange animal drinking from a pond in June. He said it loped off into the underbrush on two legs, was built large, but was short, maybe four to five feet in height, and short hair all over its body. A month later, resident Tom Drinkwater claimed to see an ape-like beast run across the road in the very same area. It was, quote, tall, hairy, and smelled like it had tangled with skunks. On June 6th of that year, John Holly, his brother Bill, and friend John Kersey were driving along a dirt road in the same county when all three saw an upright ape in a clump of pines a mere ten yards from the road. He was approximately six feet tall and had black hair. They reported the incident to the local sheriff's office who dispatched a deputy to investigate. He reportedly found tracks and a clump of hair caught in a barbed wire fence. The hair was submitted for study, but nothing ever came of it. Reports like this continued to circulate in the 1970s, firmly establishing the notion that some kind of mysterious animal or population of animals was living in the wilds of Florida. The name Skunk Ape stuck, 
giving rise to something of a new type of Bigfoot classification. There's been various terms used across the American South to describe such ape-like creatures over the years. Many of these predated the term Bigfoot, since not only was the concept of Bigfoot not widely publicized outside of California until the late 1960s, but no one really thought Bigfoot existed anywhere outside of the Pacific Northwest. So, if your grandmother or great-grandmother saw something like this, she may have referred to it as a wild man, a woolly booger, a wood devil, or perhaps a swamp ape. The term skunk ape was also bandied about, but didn't become specifically associated with the Florida Bigfoot until the incidents in the 1970s really took hold across various forms of media. The catchy regional name tended to set the skunk ape apart from the general slew of Bigfoot reports, along with a profile that suggested it was somewhat shorter, more ape-like, and more likely to move on all fours than its Sasquatch counterpart. These characteristics, which have been noted in other reports across the South, led some researchers to theorize that the creatures were not so-called Bigfoot at all, but a distinct species of unknown primate. Hotspots for skunk ape sightings include the Everglades, along with the Akala National Forest, Green Swamp, Tate's Hell Swamp, and the Mayaka River Basin. The Mayaka River in Sarasota County has become an important location in skunk ape history in that it's associated with the most famous alleged photo of a skunk ape. Prior to the photo, which I will discuss shortly. Mayaka was already on the skunk ape radar, with incidents being reported as far back as 1975. According to the Suncoast Times, on July 7, 1975, 12-year-old Venice resident Ronnie Steves was asleep in his bedroom when he was awakened by the sound of his pet ducks thrashing and quacking in their pen outside. The boy looked out the window, and was shocked to see a vague, misty gray figure moving about in the cage, which was surrounded by a six-foot-high, heavy chain-link fence. Ronnie immediately woke his parents, who got up and turned on the outside lights. They were preparing to go out and check on the ducks when young Ronnie dashed ahead to the pen about 200 feet from the house. Ronnie said when he got to the pen, he was confronted by a huge ape standing on two legs and looming over the ducks. Ronnie turned and ran for the house as the ape bounded off in the opposite direction. Ronnie's father, Ed Steves, was convinced his son had seen an unusual animal, so he notified both the Saratoga County Sheriff's Department and the Florida Monkey Sanctuary, known as the FMS. When officials arrived a short time later, they joined neighbors in a search of the area by flashlight. There was no sign of the animal, but officials found several fresh tracks where it had apparently crossed a ditch. Florida Monkey Sanctuary Executive Director Michael Corradino stated that the prints resembled those of a chimpanzee, but did not have the chimp's characteristic thumb-like big toe. Deputy Dennis Bowes agreed that some kind of strange intruder had been present. An examination of the duck pen revealed that whatever it was, it was extremely large and powerful. At one place, the heavy-gauge metal chain link was bowed out 
and the other two areas were bent out of alignment as if from the pressure of a strong hand grasp, he noted. It appeared that the creature had climbed in and then climbed back out, bending the fence in the process. As puzzling as this incident was, it was only one of several involving local police and wildlife officials in the Mayaka River area. Some people got a glimpse of the creatures, while others found their livestock missing and the cages mangled by something very strong. Prior to investigating these incidents and others in Saratoga County, FMS Director Michael Corradino didn't believe there could be an unknown species of ape present in Florida. As founder of the Monkey Sanctuary, he had been in the business of capturing escaped primates, primarily monkeys, so he knew those existed in the wilds of Florida. However, after investigating the matter, he became convinced of the skunk ape's reality. At first, I scoffed too and said it was impossible, Corradino stated, but the physical evidence could not be ignored. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In the summer of 1988, two fishermen were forced to alter their own perceptions of the skunk ape's reality. The two brothers were fishing in a secluded pond in the Sarasota County when they noticed a large, hairy thing emerge from the palmettos and began drinking water by scooping it with both hands. It looked right at the fishermen, but didn't seem to care that they were there. The creature appeared to be at least seven feet tall and was covered in reddish-brown hair. Its hands were huge, like large gorilla hands. The fisherman could smell a musky odor, like a deer in rut wafting into the air. It had us pretty scared. It never made a sound when it came in to drink, and no sounds when it left. We hurried up and left there, never to go back. It's something that has no explanation, so we just tried to forget it. Uh, it never tried to harm us or make any contact, but the thought of it still raises the hair on my neck. Sporadic sightings like these continued in the area, but so far no one had managed to snap a photo of one of the mystery beasts. This conceivably changed in late 2000 when two striking photos hit the desk of the Sarasota Sheriff's Office. The photos, which have since become known as the Mayaka Skunk Ape photos, first came into the hands of the police on December 29, 2000, when they received an envelope addressed to their Animal Services Department. Inside was an anonymous letter and two snapshots that appeared to show a live, ape-like animal standing behind a palmetto tree. The writer, who only identified herself as a, quote, senior citizen, said she had taken the photos in late September or early October at her home near the Mayaka River. 
Her husband thought it might be an escaped orangutan, so she refers to it as such in the letter. She explained that for two nights the orangutan had been taking apples from the back porch of their home. On the third night, she heard it making noise, so she grabbed her camera and went to the backyard, according to her letter. It froze as soon as the flash went off. I didn't even see the animal as I took the first picture because it was so dark. As soon as the flash went off for the second time, it stood up and started to move. I then heard the orangutan walk off into the bushes. From where I was standing, I judge it as being about six and a half to seven feet tall in a kneeling position. As soon as I realized how close it was, I got back to the house. It had an awful smell that lasted well after it had left my yard. The orangutan was making deep whoop noises. It sounded much farther away than it turned out to be. I was about ten foot away from it when it stood up. The woman said she was concerned about the animal because her grandchildren often played in her backyard. She urged police to look into the matter, suggesting perhaps an orangutan had escaped and was running loose in the area. I don't want my backyard to turn into someone else's circus, she concluded. It was signed, God bless. I prefer to remain anonymous. Even though the photos did appear to show some kind of mystery ape, the sheriff's office laughed it off. According to cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, no case file was ever created or any investigation launched. The matter might have ended there and the photographs forever lost, if not for a call received by David Barkasy, owner of the Silver City Serpentarium in Sarasota. According to Coleman, a member of the Animal Control Division called Barkasy to discuss a possible orangutan problem, which local authorities were matter-of-factly discussing. During the call, Barkasy was informed of the photos. Barkasy was familiar with skunk ape reports and, if nothing else, thought the photos might be of interest in that matter. After a series of red tape and bureaucratic nonsense, Barkasy was finally able to get high-quality copies of both snapshots, which he shared with Lauren Coleman. The excitement was heightened by Barkasy's communication with several department officers who told him about rumors of a mysterious animal bothering some neighborhoods. This prompted Barkasy to search several Mayaka neighborhoods in hopes of spotting something himself. He also made sure no exotic pets of that nature had been reported lost. Coleman posted an initial report about the Mayaka skunk ape photos on February 5th, 2001. This was the first time the photos had been made public. This resulted in the usual array of public opinion, from a person in a costume to Photoshop manipulation to the real thing. All theories, however, are contingent on whether the photos actually show a real animal. To that end, J. O'Sullivan, a University of Florida Department of Zoology Ph.D. student, pointed out that eyeshine can be useful in determining the authenticity of the subject. The expectation is that the pupils will contract in response to exposure to the first flash. The eyes would be wide open for the first photo, but smaller in the second. 
Measurements indicated that the eye shine was 40% larger in photo 1 versus photo 2, which suggested that it was indeed a real animal. Skeptics disagreed, citing a probable hoax. Some claimed it looked like a typical ape costume, but this is definitely not the case if you just look at the photo. I've never seen an ape costume that looks like that. Given the varied opinions, it becomes crucial to interview the photographer and examine the site where the photos were taken. Unfortunately, as of 2023, and despite what you may have heard, no one has ever come forward to claim responsibility for the photos, real hoax or otherwise. But rumors are always swirling. I actually met a man at my local post office who claimed to know who took the photos and offered to put me in touch with them. But that went nowhere. Another area where the skunk apes have continually been spotted is Collier County, south of Saratoga, along the western Gulf Coast. Collier includes most of the Big Cypress Preserve, where sightings date back to at least 1957. One especially interesting sighting was reported by a carpenter who was helping to disassemble an old house in the summer of 1979. I was offered work disassembling a house in Achobe. Our crew of about eight men arrived early, before the trucks, so we climbed up to the roof to enjoy the sunrise and the view. On the way up to the roof, some of us noted a foul smell emanating from the basement. All of the lower windows were broken, so we assumed an animal had crawled in there to die. Suddenly, one of the guys at the edge yelled for us to look below. We all came to the roof edge and observed a tall, hairy creature leaving the basement of the house and walking upright towards the edge of the trees directly away from us. And as soon as uh, that creature reached the tree line, it turned and squatted facing us about 40, about 40 yards away. The, the, the creature was about six feet tall with reddish brown hair all over its body. This silent standoff really continued until the creature suddenly stood and gazed to the west. It had heard our trucks arriving before we could even see them from the roof. The creature disappeared totally, turned and just disappeared within just a few steps away from us. Although we were looking down from the height of a, uh, in full daylight, it was just gone. And later we examined the basement and noticed a sleeping area under the stairs. It was old clothes, rags, weeds, and, and animal fur. There was a nasty smell, and, and we left this spot alone as we took down the entire house. According to the Everglades Echo newspaper, on the morning of July 21, 1997, Ochopee Fire District Chief Vince Dior was driving to work through the Big Cypress Swamp Preserve when a tall, hairy, reddish-brown thing crossed the road in front of him. It was walking upright on two legs with long strides. It didn't appear to be a bear, so Dior stopped his truck and grabbed the camera sitting beside him. He always carried it in case he had to document a fire or an accident scene. He jumped out and looked through the viewfinder. The animal was approximately 400 feet away. He turned on the light meter and snapped one picture 
before the animal was just too far away for a clear photo. When Dior got to work, he mentioned the incident to several co-workers who must have told others. When the word got out, Dior received a call from a reporter with the local Everglades Echo newspaper. The reporter told him about two other incidents. First, Jan Brock, one of Dior's neighbors, said she saw the same sort of creature on the same road several minutes before the fire chief estimated his sighting had taken place. According to Brock, she was driving to work at 7.45 a.m. when an upright creature crossed approximately 1,000 feet in front of her car. She said it was about seven feet tall and covered in thick, dark brown hair with what appeared to be a lighter colored patch on its chest. She had often seen wildlife in the area and was sure this was not a bear, noting that its legs were too long and it walked for a long distance as it crossed the road and headed for the trees. Less than two hours later, 20 tourists in a van driven by Naples trolley tour guide John Vickers spotted the same thing two miles away. As they were driving parallel to the Turner River Canal, they saw the thing run from east to west across Turner River Road. A short time later, Vickers was escorting most of the passengers on a gator walk along the canal when the creature emerged from some bushes about 30 yards from the park van and frightened three people, two women and a young girl, who had stayed behind. Vickers ran back to the van when the girl began screaming, but it was too late to see the thing himself. He could, however, see the fear and panic on the little girl's face so he cut the tour short and drove to the local ranger station to report what they had seen. The area where Dior and the others had their encounter is a short distance from where longtime skunk ape researcher Dave Sheely said he and his brother first saw one of the elusive creatures back in 1973. Only 10 years old at the time, Sheely was hunting with his brother when they spotted a tall, upright subject entering the Turner River Swamp. Sheely, whose family roots in the Everglades date back to 1891, has since dedicated much of his life to the pursuit and research of the skunk ape, which he claims to have laid eyes on two more times. Nowadays, Sheely is head of the Trail Lake Campground located in Ochipee, where he operates a small museum and gift shop known as the Skunk Ape Headquarters. Here, visitors can book a guided tour of the surrounding marshlands and view an array of possible evidence, including footprint casts. This wasn't no kind of normal animal. This, this thing was uh, something I'd never seen. And we, we were way out there, way down there in the Everglades. August 1997, James McMullen was tracking panthers when he came across a nearly 7-foot, 500-pound hairy creature that was clearly ape-like, yet walked upright. McMullen, a 55-year-old naturalist and author of a book on Florida's panthers, was surprised by the creature. The thing lingered for approximately 30 seconds before it slipped back into the recesses of the deep swamp. McMullen told reporters he was unable to snap a photo of it, 
but has since found footprint evidence that suggests the beast is something related to Bigfoot. He made a plaster cast of the track, which has five toes and measures 14 inches long. McMullen said he'd seen quite a few unexplainable things throughout the years while tracking panthers, but until the skunk ape sighting, he'd never come forward with any of the reports. The sighting and footprint was enough to convince him that a creature does exist and it may be in danger of extinction due to overdevelopment and destruction of habitats that exists in critical areas of Florida. As in much of the United States, Florida's known wildlife has experienced habitat loss due to expanding urban development. But the native creatures seem resilient. Alligators, for example, have been threatened by both habitat loss and toxic contamination, yet their populations have increased in Florida wetlands since the 1970s. Skunk apes, who would conceivably have low populations to start with, also seem to be holding their ground as a steady stream of sightings continues to emerge. The question of its existence may be scientifically debatable, but there's no doubt the skunk ape is now an integral part of Florida's wild mystique. That sound means it's time to feed my skunk ape. But first, some listener mail. I have a question here from Rhonda. She asks, what percentage of cryptid sightings do you think are just misidentifications? For example, a bear for Bigfoot or a great horned owl for the Jersey Devil. That's a relevant question when discussing these kinds of cases, of course. I don't really have an estimation of exact percentage, but it seems reasonable that at least some of these sightings can be attributed to misidentification. No discredit to the witnesses because they're doing their best under often less than desirable circumstances to report what they have seen and to speculate what it might have been. But since some of these sightings occur after dark in heavy woods or are very quick, it can be hard to tell just what exactly it was. That being said, There are just too many cases where individuals, credible individuals, saw something they simply cannot explain. They saw it during clear daylight conditions or for longer periods of time where other animals or other subjects or objects could be ruled out. So even if we were to throw out a good number of these type of reports based on stringent criteria, that doesn't mean there aren't some really solid credible reports that suggest there is indeed something to this phenomenon of mystery monsters. Thanks so much for the question. My longtime research partner Cindy Lee and I were hiking in Florida's Ocala National Forest. We were camped in one of the state parks, 
but on a Sunday in January, it was altogether deserted. By the time we set out to hike into the woods at around 10 p.m., there was no one in sight, and in fact, it felt eerily quiet. We first crossed a series of boardwalks over some low, swampy areas and were now hiking along a dirt trail that wound its way into the darkness. The weather wasn't particularly cold, but a light mist had dampened the ground below. Within the thick walls of evergreen oaks and sable palmettos, it was like walking through a rainforest. We admired the prehistoric beauty of the surroundings. It was decidedly different than the forests we were used to elsewhere in the south. As we navigated in the dim light of our headlamps, we began to hear a distinct pinging noise. It was hard to hear at first, amid the trudge of our boots, but when we stopped to listen, it seemed rather close by. The sound was something like an empty soda can being hit with a stick. I looked back at Cindy. She was focused on the noise. I suppose it could have been moisture drops hitting a can, but it sounded too loud given the misty nature of the precipitation. Without saying anything, I indicated I was going to move towards the sound, which originated from within the thick trees surrounding the path. Cindy nodded in agreement as I entered the tree line. Just as I did, something big moved in the brush. It seemed no more than ten yards ahead, which caused us both to jump back in surprise. I quickly raised my handheld flashlight and shined it into the glistening trees. I couldn't see an animal, but whatever had been there was now running further into the woods with heavy footsteps. I immediately jumped into the brush and followed. After about ten yards, the footsteps stopped, and so did I. I moved forward more carefully, trying to make as little noise as possible as I scanned ahead with my beam. I had a good idea where the animal had stopped, so I concentrated on that area. The dense foliage was difficult to see through, but I was able to move forward easily enough. As I moved forward another ten yards, the animal got up and started running again. I shined my beam directly at the movement, but still could not get a glimpse of it. I continued to follow through the wet brush, but every time I advanced, the footsteps went silent. When I progressed another seven or eight yards, the thing took off running again. After a while, I realized there was no way I was going to get close enough to see it. It could probably see me, however, and was adept enough to stay just out of sight. I finally gave up and headed back to where I left Cindy standing at the edge of the trail. Even though neither of us saw the thing, we both agreed that it was big, at least the size of a deer. However, I have come upon plenty of deer in the woods over the years, and whatever this was sounded larger and moved with much more commotion. It could have been a feral hog but I saw no telltale tracks or wallows indicative of pigs in the area. Pigs do leave a lot of tracks. The Akala National Forest is also home to black bears. However, this animal's movements seem far more noisy than any bears I've encountered in the wild before, 
and I have encountered them in the wild on multiple occasions. They move with stealth, but don't usually stay hidden in the brush like this mystery animal did. And what about the pinging noise that stopped as soon as we heard the thing run? We did a search of the area and finally located an old tin can a short distance from the trail. Had the animal been hitting it? Had we been close to a legendary skunk ape? Cindy and I could only wonder. Whatever was out there, skunk ape or otherwise, managed to stay just ahead of my flashlight beam. It was a perfect microcosm of a mystery that continually lures researchers into the shadows with the promise of one astonishing moment of clarity. Perhaps soon, the answers will finally come into focus. Join me on the next episode as I continue to explore the skunk ape mystery and share the story of two sisters who had an incredible sighting in broad daylight as they drove on a Florida back road. It's an encounter that ranks as one of the most credible and unexplainable of any that I've ever come across. Only here. Only on Monstro Bizarro. For more information about my books, research, and other projects, be sure to visit lyleblackburn.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.